Would you turn, please, to uh, the book of James this morning? The book of James and the fifth chapter. For weeks now, we have been ministering on the subject of prayer in the Sunday mornings. Prayer principles. But in James 5, let's read our text in verse 13. James 5, 13. Let's pray before we begin reading. Father, we give you the thanks for every good thing we enjoy. Thank you for being able to be here as a family this morning. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our teacher and guide. Thank you for your word that's life to us. Open our eyes, everyone, to see good things out of your word today. Quicken us. Answer questions, we pray. Show direction and help. Feed our faith and our spirit. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but doers. We'll act on and live by what you show us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13, he said, James 5, 13, Is any among you afflicted? You're going through tests and trials and problems. What do you do? That's different from worrying. Right? But if you're going through some tough times, what do you do? Go tell everybody you can find and ask 12 people what they think you ought to do. No. Do what? Turn in many prayer requests. What? It's amazing how a lot of times people, they call prayer lines and they do all this, but they don't pray themselves. Oh, would you pray for me? I don't know at the times I've had people look at me and go, Brother Keith, every time you pray, pray for me. I am not. (laughs) Why would I do that? Can't you pray? What's wrong with you? (laughs) I got plenty to pray about. Right? Got a lot. I got, you know, two full-blown ministries going at once here. I got my own things. Now, you know, it's all right for us to pray for one another when it's needed or required. But, you know, just trying to get somebody else to do you praying for you because you're lazy is not okay. Right? What did it say? You're going through a tough time? Do what? Let him pray. Right? Pray for yourself. What if you get happy and marry? Then don't come say, Brother Keith, I'm Mary. Would you sing? <laughs> no, nah, you're the one, Mary. You sing. Right? Yeah, but I can't sing. Ain't no such thing as somebody that can't sing. Right. Say, you haven't heard me. No, nah, everybody can sing. Yeah. Not everybody should record. Right. But everybody can sing. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord's not listening to hear if you hit all the notes perfect. He's listening right. to your heart. Is any sick among you? Now the implication is exhausted and without strength. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So there is a situation where somebody is without strength and hardly at the place where they can help themselves. Thank God other people can pray for you at that point. And uh, that's a wonderful thing and a good thing. He said, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Healing is always the will of God, isn't it? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or as the Amplified says, the earnest, heartfelt 
continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Then he goes on to give an example. He said, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Can you see prayers all through this passage? Prayer, 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 prayer. Elijah, a man, feelings and things to deal with, just like us, flesh. But he prayed earnestly. Earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. He prayed sincerely and properly and effectively, and it changed the heavens. It changed the cycles of the earth. He prayed again, and it changed again. Can us praying effectively and properly change things in the earth? Affect change in government? Affect change in the economy? You know, we ought not just sit and gripe about gas prices. Our taxes, our politics, you know, we ought to do something about it. What do you mean? Pray and get in faith. Amen. And if you're in faith, you're not fussing and griping. If you're fussing and griping, you're not in faith. No such thing as being in faith about something and being depressed over it. Thank you for those four amens. It's a fact now. I don't care. Somebody says, well, I made a good confession that morning. Yeah, but it's not just confessing it. You've got to believe it. And if you believe it, it doesn't depress you. If you're in faith about your body being healed, even though you're still hurting, even though it's still a bad report, you're excited because you believe things are changing. If you're in faith about your finances, even though you got another notice and you don't know where in the world the money could come from, you're excited. Why? Because you believe God's heard your prayer. You believe money's on the way. You believe this thing is turning around. Got no reason to believe it from the natural, but you do from the book. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen means so be it. That's what's happening. Well, we've been teaching on the subject of prayer, like I said, for weeks now. And we talked about what prayer is. Prayer is communion with God. That covers a lot of ground. Communion with God. We talked about what prayer is not. It's not vain repetitions. We talked about what you don't do. You don't pray to statues. You don't pray to pictures. Counting beads is not praying. Spinning wheels is not praying. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to uh, saints. We don't pray to Mary. We pray to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, we've spent quite a bit of time studying Jesus at prayer. Because how many believe he is the best prayer who ever prayed? And we want to follow his example how he prayed, and how he taught us to pray. And numerous things already that we've seen, he taught us to pray in love. While you're praying, forgive. I mean, if you're holding any unforgiveness, it's going to hinder your prayers. He warned husbands and wives in 1 Peter 3, if they didn't treat each other right, their prayers would be hindered. He taught us to pray in faith. He taught us to ask. you got to ask. He taught us, uh, we talked about requiring, which is not prayer proper, but there's a time to pray and then there's a time to say. 
We talked about persistent praying. Right? What did we talk about last time? Huh? <laughs> Nobody remembers. Well, I'm just going to have to go back and preach that message over again <laughs> instead of this. No, we talked about why pray. We kind of backed up and summarized. You remember that at all? Why pray? And our bottom line was, if Jesus needed to pray like he did, do we need to pray any less? No. No. See, so he's our example. But going on today, we're going to talk about another way that Jesus prayed. Go to Matthew, the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. I tell you, friends, we're on the right track. The Lord is really helping us. I believe we have more prayer going on, proper prayer, last week. I believe people are making adjustments. And it's affecting this church. I did quite a bit of praying last night. And uh, I'm convinced, the Lord led me to pray this way, I'm convinced that the limitations are coming off. And the restrictions are coming off for the Lord to move. This is His place. We're His people. This is His family. Amen. And I'm not going to be satisfied. We're not going to stop. You're not going to stop until the Holy Ghost is completely free in our midst and with us. Amen. He can do what He wants with us, when He wants the way he wants, and that every time we come together, we do not leave with the Holy Ghost not satisfied or not through. That he always says everything he wants to say, and he does everything he wants to do. Now, I'm not saying we're there, but we're getting there. Amen? A lot of it has to do with us being taught, learning how to yield, learning how to cooperate with him, but we must be hungry for this. And we must pursue it, and prayer is a part of this. Well, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, we see Jesus at prayer, and a specific kind of prayer. Matthew 26, in verse 36. Listen with your spirit. Let these words get in you. Let the Lord talk to you. Matthew 26, 36. Then comes Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith to the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and what? Pray. Pray Pray yonder, over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, He did what? He prayed. And this is what he prayed. O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will. But as you will. And he come unto the disciples and find them asleep. And said to Peter. What? Could you not watch with me? One hour? Watch. And what? And pray. 
that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed, prayed the third time, saying the same words. Now here is a prayer where he prayed the same thing more than once. And it wasn't vain repetition. And it wasn't a lack of faith. Right? But there are other times he warned us not pray the same thing over and over again. People get in trouble when they take one passage or verse on prayer and they try to say, well, this is all there is to prayer. Well, no, you got to take everything that the Bible says on prayer. There are many different areas of prayer. There are many different ways of prayer, many different kinds of prayer. Ephesians talks about, one translation said, praying with all kinds of prayer. All kinds. So there's more than one. This prayer... I call the prayer of submission. The prayer of submission. Now involved in this is also commitment. Submitting to the will of God and committing to do the will of God. Everybody say submission Submission. and commitment. commitment. Brother Kenneth Hagin senior, my father in the faith, he said this ever since I knew him. He said one of the biggest problems with the modern church today is lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. And the further you go, boy, you see that. I mean, it just affects the generation, the whole generation. We're in a uh, a generation of people who don't know what faithfulness is. I mean, if it gets tough, they quit. I mean, Phyllis was talking about marriages. So many of the marriages failing. Why? Well, when the thrill is gone, people quit. If it gets difficult, they quit. If it gets hard, they quit. Well, what if Jesus had quit? I said, what if he'd quit when it got tough? Just because it's tough doesn't mean that you're supposed to bail. The Bible teaches us to even endure hardness as a good soldier, right? We prayed for the families of the fallen. How many know it's not always easy on the battlefield? My, my, what an understatement. I mean, what if people say, well, you know, it's cold. I'm not fighting today. (laughs) Or it's too hot. Or it's too dusty. Or it's too this, or it's too that. Well, no, it is what it is, and you got to deal with it. And we must know how to pray like Jesus prayed here. And it not just be words, but that we know how to submit to the will of God. And we know how to commit to doing the will of God. And we know how to rest on His grace and believe that it is sufficient and gird up our loins and be strong 
and be real men of God and real women of God and do whatever it takes to get the job done. Can you say amen? Amen. The Lord uh, told this church, he said, I'm growing this church up quickly. I believe that. And I believe we're not going to be a church full of wimpy babies that bail every time something is uncomfortable. But that we know how to set our face like flint and having done all to stand, stand. And got a church full of people who do not run, who do not quit, who do not faint. Right? You know, uh, Brother Lester Summerall, who's in heaven now. I was in a number of his meetings in the beginning days of my ministry. You know, he'd beller sometimes like a bull. And one thing he'd say sometimes, you know, why did he, uh, he made it as far as he had. And some of the things he'd beller and say, I didn't quit. I wouldn't quit. And for anybody that you want to see that has had some success in the things of God, you can know this. They had opportunities to quit. They had situations where they were tempted to quit. They were tempted to do something else. And that's what this whole prayer is about. Jesus is being tempted. To what? To not do this. To not go through with this. Isn't that what he told them to do? Watch. You watch. And pray. Why? Why? So that you won't enter into, you won't yield to the temptation. Why? Because they were about to encounter some, not all, but some of what he was dealing with right then. And because they didn't watch and because they didn't pray, they weren't ready like Peter when he was tempted not to stick with Jesus all the way. He didn't. When he was scared, when it was tough, when the pressure was on, he said, I don't know him. Uh Uh-uh. No. I don't want to do that, do you? I said, I don't want to do that. Ever. Never do I want to fail the Lord. Never do I want to not be there for Him. When He calls, you want to be there. When He leads, you want to go all the way. Right? Follow fully. These are the only people who will get the full reward. And these are the only people who are going to be promoted and going to be used and see the Word come to pass in their life like it's written. This is one of the biggest reasons why people don't grow up and mature. Because they quit. They bail. It gets hot in the kitchen, so they get out the kitchen. Hmm? Phyllis and I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that we would not be standing before you today in the ministry, enjoying the blessings of God, if we had not stuck it out in some situations. There were numerous times, there are certain points in our life and ministry, I mean night after night, I'd go into a separate bedroom and fall across the bed and cry and say, Lord, let me do something else. Lord, let me do this. And you know, if you're a good soldier, you can't write your own orders. We, we don't, people don't have that mentality in the church today. You know, it's... If you're a soldier, you get stationed where you're stationed. And that's it. You get stationed in Alaska in the wintertime. You don't get up there and three days later go, man, it's cold up here. It's too cold. I ain't cut out for this. I can't do this. Don't we have a base in Honolulu? I'm going to Honolulu. Bye. See y'all. Uh-uh. 
No, you don't write your own orders. You're AWOL. Right? Out of the will of the army for one thing. How many know we got a lot of AWOL Christians? A lot of AWOL Christians. They go to churches when they want to, and they quit and change churches when they want to. They do jobs when they want to. They change jobs when they want to. They change husbands. They change wives when they want to. They just do what they want to, when they want to. They are not serving the Lord. They're completely out of the will of God, and they wonder why they're not blessed. No, that's not us. Somebody say, that's not us. It's not us. We show up for duty. We stay where we're stationed. We do what we're told to do. Amen. And we stay as long as it takes. And we go as far as it takes to obey Him. Will that always be easy? No. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Go with me please to the book of Luke. Let's read Luke's account of this same kind of praying. Is this okay this morning? We'll shout about something else another time. But this morning, this is what it is. Some things you might not shout about at the moment. But if you do them, you'll shout a lot later. Luke 22. Luke 22 and 41, I believe it is. Well, let me back up to 39. Luke 22, 39. He, Jesus, came out. And went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said to them, do what? Pray. That's what we're talking about. Pray. Why? That you enter not into temptation. Temptation to what? Temptation to quit. Temptation to not stay and do the will of God. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now let's just stop right here. A mistake that a lot of people have made, they take this prayer and they try to apply this to all praying in every area. And they say, well, we should always pray if it be thy will. No, we should not. If you're praying like this, you pray if it be thy will. Submitting to the will of God. Somebody say, well, you know, when you pray for the sick, you should always pray with an if it be thy will. No, you should not. Jesus is not praying for the sick in the garden. He's not having a healing meeting. Right? Do we ever have any situation where Jesus prayed, if it be thy will, for any sick person or any oppressed person? Never. Never. So then you don't pray that way either. Right? No. He's not praying about his finances. He's not praying about being healed. He's not praying about any of that. What's he praying about? The plan of God. Going where the Father tells him to go doing what the father tells him to do and friend with him it was this way with us it'll be this way there'll be times when your flesh does not want to do what you're supposed to do brother Keith that's a bad confession that's a fact if it happened with the master it's going to happen with you it's already happened with me numerous times has it ever happened to you 
The thing is, what are you going to do when it happens? Are you going to do what you want to do? Or are you going to pray like this? Even if it's tough, or even if you have to stay up all night, even if it's an agony with you, but you keep coming back to this, Lord, I, oh Lord, not that, not that. But you keep coming back, well, whatever you want now. If you want me to do that, I'll do it. Maybe you don't want to go, but he says go. Maybe you don't want to stay, but he says stay. Right? You'll never reach your full potential until you do this. Until you learn how to submit to the will of God. He went on to say, There appeared an angel to him from heaven strengthening him. Well, this wouldn't have happened if he hadn't needed it. Was this easy? Was his praying in Gethsemane, was it easy? There's a reason why I keep asking this now. Obviously, no, no. It was so taxing that he required angelic assistance. Verse 44, being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You couldn't say anything about this is easy. Right? What's this about? This is about submission. Now, I used to teach uh, at Rama a subject called submission and authority. And it was humorous almost. I'd meet students that hadn't had the class yet. And a lot of times they'd say, well, Brother Keith, I'm really looking forward to your class. You know, submission has always been easy for me. <laughs> if I've heard that one time, I must have heard it a hundred times. I've never had trouble submitting. I mean, it's always been easy for me to submit. I know immediately they have not a clue what submission is. Did you hear me? Submission isn't easy. No. Did you know that we are told to submit repeatedly in the New Testament? Some half dozen times. In the New Testament, the younger are told to submit to the elder. We're told to submit to God. We're told to submit to each other. I mean, the list goes on and on. You're to submit to those that have the rule over you, the Bible says. It goes on and on. What does it mean to submit, though? Let me give you something that helped me years ago on this. Submission isn't easy. Everybody say that. Now, here's something else submission isn't. Submission isn't being forced. It's not being forced. Did the father make him do this? No. In fact, some half dozen times, like I said in the New Testament, where it talks about it, it says, you submit yourself. So then who's making you do it? You are making yourself. Right? Somebody says, well, I just, you know, Lord, you just make me do whatever you want me to do. Not going to happen. He's not going to make you do what you're supposed to do. No, you submit yourself. Are you with me now? Submission isn't easy. I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. What else is submission not? It's not being forced. It's not somebody making you do something. Now, here's another biggie. Submission is isn't agreement. 
If you're in agreement, you can't submit. Did you get this? I don't know at the times I've heard this. Well, now, Brother Keith, usually I submit. But on this, I just don't agree. (laughs) What did they just say? They have not a clue what submission is. Usually they agree. So they do what they agree, what they already want to do. But here's a situation where they don't agree. It's the first opportunity they've had to submit, and they're refusing to. Did you get this now? And you watch it. If people refuse to submit to people, nor do they submit to God. Submission to God is revealed in submission to people, just like love for God is revealed in love for people. No such thing as somebody, you got it all together, you hate people, but you love God. You serve God perfectly, but you can't serve anybody else. Uh-uh, no, no. It's revealed through what you do with people. Let me go over it again now. Submission isn't easy. Submission isn't being forced to do something. And submission isn't what? Isn't agreement. Now, here's the perfect picture. At this point, when Jesus is praying, did he want, did he desire to do this thing? He sees it. He is not ignorant of it. He knows exactly what's coming up. He knows about the scourging. He knows about the crucifixion. And that is not the worst part. The worst part is what happens in the realm where you can't see. The realm of the Spirit. Him being made sin with all of our sin and the separation from God the Father. And friend, he is looking that full in the face and as strong as he is, everything in him is saying, no, uh uh-uh, I do not want to do this. Right? And he comes before the Father and says, Father... All things are possible with you. Isn't there some other way? Is there any other way? What's he saying? I don't want to do this. Right? So he's not in agreement. I know that sounds strange to you. But then what does he do? He says, nevertheless, not what I will. There must have been a difference between what he willed and what the father willed. That's why why would you say that? Not what I will, but what you will, your will, be done. Is that easy? No. No. Is the Father making him do this? No. No. Is he in agreement? No. No. That's why submission is required. Is this okay this morning? Can you understand this? Go to Hebrews, please. The fifth chapter. Hebrews Chapter 5. This, you know, everything that happened that's recorded here is full of revelation. Jesus took a few people with him further into the garden, pray, and then he left them and went on further. How many know there's some things in prayer nobody can go with you on? There's some things in prayer nobody can help you with. Some places nobody else can go with you. The place of complete obedience. 
Nobody else can take you there. Nobody else can make you go there. Place of submission. Nobody can make you submit. When your flesh is screaming, I don't want to. When your head's saying, no, no, no. Your soul is crying, uh-uh, no, never. Nobody can go there with you. Except the Holy Ghost. But how many know he'll be with you and his grace is sufficient? How many know that there's reward for full obedience? How many know there's something on the other side of the crying? There's something on the other side of the agony. It's resurrection. It's joy. It's reward. It's many, 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 many people being changed. I know you may not think about it sometimes. You may think, well, I'm not a preacher. People don't see me and know me. Friend, people are watching you. And your victory affects other people. From your immediate family to the people that work with you, there are people whose lives will not be changed like it should be if you don't go all the way. I know you might not like to think that, but it's a fact. There are people watching you. And if you don't overcome, if you don't triumph over the situation, if you don't fully obey, then they won't see what they need to see. And they won't be influenced like they should be influenced. You must, not just for your sake, for their sake. You must stick it out. You must go all the way. Right? Hebrews 5. Having read that, I think this will stand out to you even more. The Bible said in verse 4 of chapter 5 of Hebrews. Hebrews 5, 4. It says, No man takes this honor to himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said to him, you are my son, today have I begotten you. How many know you don't promote yourself? You can't give yourself promotion and reward and blessing in the things of God. Jesus himself did not promote himself. He said in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, now this is still talking about Jesus. When he had offered up what? Prayers. And supplications with strong crying and tears. I only know of one place in the scripture that describes such a thing. And it's what we just read. Strong crying and tears. What would cause him to do this? Why would he cry like this? Why would he pray like this? It wasn't from being sick with disease. It wasn't from being broke. It wasn't, you know, from not pleasing God and being in the, you know, obeying his plan. When your flesh recalls from something. All of us have flesh. All of us. All of us will be tempted to rebel. Different times. Different things with different people. But beware that you're not just looking at a person and you're thinking they're your problem, not realizing that it's the Lord who told you to submit to them. There's things that I've done by the grace of God. There's been times that somebody 
lied on me. They said things that weren't right. They found fault. They did things and it aggravated me. And the Lord told me, he said, you go back to them and apologize. I said, what? Did I not say what you told me to say? He said, you did. Isn't it right? He said, it is. Well, then why, Lord, pray tell? Should I go and apologize? For what? He said, you don't think you could find anything to apologize for? He said, do you think you said it all perfectly as it should have been said with all of the wisdom and all the grace that it could have been done? I said, no, sir. He said, well, you don't have to apologize for doing what I told you. But just do what I tell you now. So I did. And again and again in different situations. There's times when your flesh, you know, you just recalls and you think, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to put up with that. Says who? If the Lord tells you to do it, you'll either put up with it or you're going to jump out of the will of God. Right? And what folk don't realize is their whole future is hinging on this. Because God doesn't have multiple choice when it comes to his perfect will for your life. You can go this way or this or this. Pick your choice. Uh Uh-uh. It's one way. It's straight and it's narrow. Amen. It's doing his perfect will. Anything else takes you off the path. Takes you out of his perfect will. And on the perfect path, it gets brighter and brighter and better and more blessing and more power. And there's honor. There's reward. There's promotion. Off the path, it gets darker and darker and harder and worse. The way of the transgressor is hard. The Bible said the rebellious would dwell in a dry land. I don't want to dwell in a dry land. I want to soak up the blessings. I want to be in the wealthy place, the saturated place. Under the spout where the glory pours out. What place is that? That's the perfect will of God. I want to be right in that dime-sized place in the middle of the palm of his hand in the perfect will of God. Will that always be easy? No, no, no. Jesus, was it easy for him? No. Strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. That's talking about reverencing God. Verse 8, are you there? Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by what? By the things which he suffered. Is that talking about suffering being sick? No. Suffering being broke? No. Suffering what? Suffering, having to submit your will to another's. Not easy. But what happened? Verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Go with me. Back to the book of Genesis. I was going to close early, but you know, I don't want to start something.
<laughs> Didn't you expect me to do it all the time? In the book of Genesis, the 16th chapter, I think you'd help to have another example to help drive this home. Genesis 16. The Bible said, verse 1, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, Behold, the Lord restrained me from bearing. I pray, go into my maid. It may be I may obtain children by her. Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. He went unto Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. In other words, she went around telling folk and acting haughty. She said, well, we know ain't nothing wrong with Abraham. It's Sarah. And was just haughty. And Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be on you. I've given my maid into your bosom. When she saw that she'd conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and you. And Abram said to Sarai, look, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as it pleases you. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she, Hagar, fled from her face. So she was really rough on her. You could have said mean. She was mean to her. She was hard on her. And Hagar said, hey, I ain't got to take this. I'm out of here. She packed her little duds and she was gone. Right? And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to shore. And he said to Hagar, Sarah's maid. She probably didn't want to be called that. He said, where are you coming from? And where will you go? That's a question people don't ask themselves. When they get mad, they just throw their tools down and they march out. They don't think about what I'm leaving and where am I going? Am I jumping out of the will of God? Where am I going? They just get mad, say their peace. She said, I'm fleeing from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, what? Said what? Yeah, but she's mean to her. I mean mean. You don't have to put up with that, do you? (laughs) I didn't get one single word on that one, did you? Hold your place. <laughs> Go to First Peter, please. Second chapter. I think I'm closing. Hold your place there in Genesis. We're not through now. Maybe we should be. Gen- Let me read Genesis 16, then we'll be finished. We want to come back. Genesis 16, 8. And nine, the angel of the Lord said to her, do what? Return. Return. What does that mean? Go back back to your mistress and do what? Submit yourself under her hands. Reckon that was easy? You know, that's one reason why it's just better not to blow off. (laughs) Then you don't have to go back and eat crow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, tell them where to get off and 
Because you ain't going to do it. But you ain't got to put up with. You ain't got to take. Because you may get around the corner and the Lord tell you, now you just turn yourself around and go right back there because that's where I put you and that's where you're going to stay. So just be smart and don't go through all that. And even though you're tempted, sorely tempted, just bite your lip. Be in control of your soul. Right? Bible said be angry and what? You can be angry but not blow it. You can be angry. That don't mean you got to mess up. Bite your lip. Say yes sir. Yes ma'am. And leave. And if you want to, go home and fall across the bed. And say Lord, <laughs> I'm putting in a request for a transfer. <laughs> Lord, I, you know. But be prepared. Most of the time, it comes back denied. <laughs> and now you either going to submit or you going to go AWOL. Return. Go back to your mistress. Submit yourself under her hands. So she did. In 1 Peter 2, are you there? 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. 17, 1 Peter 2, 17, honor all men, show everybody the honor that's due them, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants, you could also say employees, you could say, I mean that applies all the way down the board, anybody that's under somebody else, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the Froward, that means surly and harsh and overbearing. Surely the Lord wouldn't tell you to submit to that. I know some folk don't like it, but it doesn't make people being mean okay. It doesn't mean that's okay. But somebody getting in the flesh and acting ugly and being mean or even treating you bad does not justify you jumping out of the will of God. Right? It doesn't. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, your own mistakes, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And he goes on to talk about that Jesus left us an example. He showed us how to do it. And we're to follow in his steps. Amen. So there are times that you do what he did. You get by yourself and you pour your heart out before the Lord. And if you have to pray half the night and if you have to cry, whatever you do, but you come back to this. What? Not my will, but your will be done and when it's all said and done you get up and even if it seems hard like Jesus facing that mob and facing that whipping post and facing that cross he did it he committed to it and the Bible said he endured it how he could see the joy that was on the other side of that thing and he could see the joy of pleasing the father completely and he could see what it meant for me and for you and for every generation that would ever live and believe on him. Oh, thank God for real submission and real commitment to the will of God. And when you do it, it will affect other people too. When I do it, it will affect other people too. 
Hallelujah. You stand up on your feet. Everybody say it out loud. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a wimp. I'm not weak. I will do the Father's will. I will submit to what He says. I will stay where He puts me. I will go all the way. No matter what it takes. I, by the grace of God, will endure hardness as a good soldier. Now tell him out loud. Tell him out loud. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Tell him again. Let's say it all out loud together at the same time. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Say it again. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. One more time. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Glory. Just lift your hands, begin to praise Him and thank Him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.